Amen. Well, let's look in John chapter 18. John chapter 18. And uh, we're going to be read, begin reading in uh, verse 19. John chapter 18, verse 19. I'm going to share a message entitled, It's Not a Secret. It's not a secret. Uh, John chapter 18, beginning in uh, verse 19. So the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciple, uh, disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews also resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me, uh, them which heard me, and what I have said unto them, behold, they know what I said. And when he had, spoke, had thus spoken, uh, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus, with the palm of his hand, saying, Answer thou uh, the high priest so. And then in verse 23, says, Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. And uh, Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Uh, they said, Therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. And verse 20 is our text verse. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world, I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews also resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, thank you for this great passage uh, that we can learn from uh, Christ, about Christ, um, the, um, uh, the evidences, if we will, to uh, speak forth the testimonies of our God. Uh, knowing, Lord, that everything that was done for the redemption and the salvation of man was not done in secret, but it was done openly and in publicly. And Lord, may we realize that we have an opportunity continually in our life to be able to be public about our faith in Christ and be public about who we are as Christians and what we believe in the Word of God. And so, Lord, help us not to be intimidated by the world, but help us be bold like our Savior and speak forth the things of God with clear evidence and in open. And God, I just prayed you would encourage us this morning and strengthen us, uh, build us in our faith. I pray if there's someone here who's never been saved, uh, may they be able to see in the scriptures today the openness of the way of salvation through faith in Christ. And so God, speak to us in a special way this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 20. Uh, what a wonderful verse. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I'm, thank that. I'm thankful for that, that we don't have to be hiding who we are as Christians. Jesus didn't hide who he was and, uh, and uh, uh, cower in the corner. He spake openly to the world. He said, I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whether the Jews also resort. So he taught, he preached. He revealed who he was, where people were. And oftentimes we don't want to be uh, uh, in the public eye. We don't want to be 
surrounded by individuals when we start talking about our faith in Christ who do not know Christ and refuse to receive Christ. But Jesus was open public about those things. And then he says, and in secret have I said nothing. And I was talking to someone yesterday at our volleyball tournament, and they were asking about our Christian school and everything, and they asked me, they said, well, do you have kids in your school that are unsaved? Uh, do you have families who put their kids in your school that are unsaved? I said, absolutely. I said, but we do not compromise on who we are and what we believe. We tell them right up front when they consider our school, we're not a private school, and we're not a charter school, we're a Christian school. And so if you're going to be in our school, we're going to be teaching you must be born again. And you have to receive Christ as your Savior in order to go to heaven. And if you don't have a problem with us teaching your children that, we'll get along fine. But we are not going to change what we believe nor what we teach when it comes about God and the way of salvation. So publicly, we want to be open about those things. We want to be honest about who we are as Christians. I thought it was interesting this past week. I saw a little clip about uh, Franklin Graham's stand on this uh, matter and issue of uh, uh, homosexuality. And I don't agree with uh, uh, Franklin Graham on a lot of things, but I agree with him on that. And uh, that uh, Beto O'Rourke, who's uh, trying to be a candidate for president, has been very open, very honest about the fact that the first thing he's going to do if he get, becomes president, the priority on his list of things to do is to remove the tax exempt status of any ministry or any church that does not support the LGBTQ plus community. They keep adding letters to it, and I keep I got to keep memorizing what it is. And I'm like, okay, who's next getting added to the list? And I, and I, I appreciated Franklin Graham because he was public about the fact, he said, we will not embrace or endorse homosexual marriage, even if it means losing our tax exemption. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being public. I'm talking about being open, not trying to cower and hide who we are and what we believe, but being what Jesus did and what he said and what he taught was not a secret. It was completely open and evident to all that were around them. And as he's being questioned, uh, well, he's just rebuking them and telling them, well, wait a minute, I didn't hide anything. I told it publicly what, who I am and what, I, what they, you need to do in responding to me. Historically, not only scripturally, uh, based on the words of Christ, we have the evidences of a way of salvation through Christ and Christ alone. But historically, there's evidences of what Jesus taught publicly. Josephus was a Jewish historian during the time of uh, the life of Christ. And Josephus writes this. It's a little lengthy. I put it on several slides, but I thought it would be good for you to hear what Josephus, a Jewish historian who was not a believer in Christ, had to say about Jesus Christ. And so you can follow along as I read that. Uh, in writing, he said this, Now there was about this time Jesus a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man. He was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as had a veneration for truth. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles 
He was the Christ. That's interesting that he states that. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of principal men among us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at first did not forsake him, for he appeared unto them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had spoken of these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him, which the, I, thought, I like how he puts this, which the tribe of Christians, <laughs> so named from him, are, now, uh, are not extinct at this day. An unsaved Jewish historian writing in reference to the events that was taking place during the life of Christ identifies and is very uh, public about the fact that Jesus was the Christ, the fulfillment of the prophecies of the prophets of the Old Testament. And those that were followers of Christ did not turn their back on Christ when he was crucified, but were committed to Christ, and uh, uh, they were still present and evident in the days of his writing, that statement in his historical book, the books of uh, Josephus. And so it's not a secret. This matter of being a Christian is not a secret. I was talking with Dr. Shoemaker the, the other day when he was here and just talking about church growth and church trends uh, that are going on in America. And it's made, America is a post-Christian nation. We're not a Christian nation anymore. We're post-Christian. And uh, we see it evidenced in the, uh, the uh, shutting down and closing down of churches. I was talking to a, a coach yesterday. No, I was actually a principal of, um, of uh, uh, Abundant Life Christian Academy up in Nutley, New Jersey. And I was talking to him, and we were talking about you know growth in our schools and things like that. And I said, well, we've had two schools closed down. We're, really, we're the last Christian school in Tom's River. You know, there's Catholic schools, but we're the last Christian school. They've all closed down. And he told me, he said, brother, I tell you what, he said, up where we are, we had three major Christian schools closed down this year. Christian schools are closing their doors. Churches are closing their doors. It is alarming to see what is going on in America as we are entering into this era of history as a post-Christian nation. And I just wonder, is it because that we've hit our faith? I just wonder if the things that Jesus did publicly, we have refused to do publicly. We just want to be a part of the frozen chosen and don't want to say anything to anybody else to bring them into our group. And the reality is that Jesus is alive and well, and Jesus does change people's lives as our song we sang this morning with the choir, uh, you know, when you come to the cross of Christ, everything changes. And uh, when we got saved, something happened. I was talking to another uh, print, uh, um, athletic director yesterday, and he was asking me about our school, about my testimony. I was sharing my testimony and how I got saved. And he was sitting there, he was like flabbergasted. He was like, that's amazing. I've never heard anything like that before. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, what is wrong with us? What is wrong with our society? What's wrong with our society is Christianity is no longer public. As the gays and everybody else are coming out of the closet, the Christians are running back into the closet. 
And the reality is Jesus never hid anything. He said, nothing I taught, nothing that I did, did I do secretly. It's not a secret. So let's look at a few thoughts here about what's going on at this point in the life of Christ. Notice, first of all, there was questioning that took place. Look over Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to be looking at several verses. Matthew chapter 26. Dr. Malone always used to say he read a lot of scripture until he got the courage to start preaching, you know. <laughs> so I'll read a lot of scripture because I don't know what I'm talking about. Amen. But anyway, asking questions. The question that was asked of Jesus, first of all, we want to consider Matthew 26 and verse 63 is simply this. Are you the Christ? Matthew chapter 26 and verse 63. But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man setting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What farther need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, he is guilty of death. The amazing thing is they questioned Christ whether the fact was, was he really the Christ? Was he the Messiah? Was he the anointed one, the son of God? And as they were asking him that, that was asked by the priest. And if Jesus is the Christ, here's the problem. If Jesus is the Christ, then the priest, the advocacy of the priest is void and of no effect. And I'm going to tell you, when, when uh, they questioned Christ, the high priest quest, questioned Christ about whether he was the Son of God, whether he was God in the flesh or not, he understood the danger to his authority and his position as the priest of Israel because of the fact that Jesus would become the mediator for mankind. There's but one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so when the priest was questioning Christ, he didn't hide it. He said, art thou the Christ? Jesus said, you said. He's affirming the fact that he is the Christ and immediately the priest's authority is put in question because now he is no longer the one who is going to intercede for the people before God because Christ is going to do that. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. And so we no longer turn to earthly priests. We no longer turn to a priesthood. We no longer turn to religion or organizations to be able to come into the presence of God and experience a move of God in our hearts because of the fact that we have a great high priest in heaven who is interceding on our behalf. And so we hold on to our profession. I challenge the kids in my Bible class that I teach that they need to know the doctrines of the faith. They need to know who Jesus Christ is. And you need to know why you believe that he's the son of God. Because when your faith is questioned, you need to give an answer of the hope that lieth within thee. And uh, Jesus Christ did not hide the reality that he was going to be the priest 
the high priest of the people. And as a result of that, uh, uh, Caiaphas is uh, intimidated and angered at the reality of who Christ is. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11, it says, But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, but a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. And so by Christ telling them, yes, he is the son of God. He is the priest. He is going to fulfill that. The reality is everything that they were holding to in their traditions of men were annulled and of non-effect because Christ is building a heavenly tabernacle. Christ is the one who we worship and bow down to, and we do not turn to our religious individuals to intercede on our behalf. We have Jesus Christ that intercedes for us. I'm thankful that when I got saved, I didn't go to some church, and I didn't go to some priest, and I didn't go to some confessional. I, I, when I got saved, I was under conviction, and I got up in the middle of the night, and I knelt down on my knees, and I cried out to God in heaven, and Jesus Christ interceded for me and delivered my soul. And people need to hear that's how you get saved. They don't need some all this religiosity and everything else that we try to work into things and try to create some type of holier-than-thou type of spirit and attitude. They need to be humbled in the presence of an almighty God who is interceding for them in heaven. Are you the Christ? He said, you said. He affirms the fact that he was the Messiah. And so there's the questions. Questioning, are you the Christ? In Matthew chapter 27, in verse 11, there is the question, Art thou the king of the Jews? In Matthew chapter 27, in verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? I mean, these are direct questions. These were not questions that were hedged. And Jesus said to him, Thou sayest. So he's allowing his own mouth to confirm the fact that Jesus is the king of the Jews. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him, Never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Uh, Jesus did not have to defend himself because the reality is he is the king of the Jews. And, uh, you know, Job said, if I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. Jesus did not have to present a defense of the reality of who he is. It just is. That's who he is. He is the king. And uh, when they question, are you the king? He said, thou hast said. Uh, you know, this amazing thing that this was asked by Pilate, who was a king. And uh, our Christmas cantata that we're working on it really is going to be a blessing. I'm telling you that right up front. Just get ready for it. It's going to be good. Amen. Choir's doing a great job. Uh, but one of the parts in the, choir, in the cantata, it's Herod talking about the fact that uh, well, there came to find the king of the Jews. And in the narration there, Herod is uh, beside himself. And he is offended by the reality of the fact, well, wait a minute, I'm a king. And literally, that's what's going on here. Pilate say, well, wait a minute. How can you be the king when I'm the king? And so uh, the, his authority and his position 
is threatened because of who Jesus Christ is. And so if Pilate asked, as a king, art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, thou hast said, then that means the authority of Pilate is void and no effect. See, man can set up his own authorities on this world. Man can set up his kingdoms to reign over. Man can try to position himself to oppress others. But the reality is there is no man on the face of this earth that can stand against the authority of Jesus Christ. The amazing thing is in Revelation 19 and 16, says he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That means he has absolute authority over any individual who is reigning in any position uh, in this world. We often look to Washington, D.C. as an answer to our problems. I'll tell you, the, prob the problems we have in our lives is because of Washington, D.C. It's not because of us. Uh, we need to turn to the Lord and believe God to do something miraculous in our life. That, that, listen, there is no man that has an authority over you that rules over the authority of God in your life. That's why in Acts, the Peter said, uh, the, said, we ought to obey God rather than man. When the laws of man come in conflict with the laws of God, we obey God rather than obeying man. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the King of Kings, and he is the Lord of Lords. And so th that's not a secret. Oh, I've heard over years some people say, you say, well, Jesus is building a kingdom. He is the king. And people say, oh, well, you believe in that dominion theology. Oh, and you believe that, that, that way Christians ought to rule on the earth. Well, I don't know about you. I do believe that Christians ought to rule on the earth. You know, I, 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 do, I do believe that when righteous men rule, there's peace around us. We have developed this mindset, even among Christians, that we think it's okay for anybody to be in positions of leadership and rule in our world. And we wonder why the world is becoming so corrupt and why it's becoming so oppressive. Uh, when, listen, when God establishes a throne that is a righteous throne, the people have peace and they enjoy life and they enjoy prosperity. But the amazing thing is we turn our back on God and we think we can go ahead and enjoy the blessings of God. Uh, it won't happen. And here's Pilate before Jesus, and he's questioning his authority. Are you a king? He said, you said so. And all right away, Pilate knew his authority was in question. His ability to rule and reign would become void and of not, no effect because of Jesus Christ reigning. You know, during the... Uh, the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to have a heyday on this world as he leads the governments of this world and as he leads the religions of these worlds. But I'm going to tell you, when Jesus Christ returns and he comes and he throws Satan into the pit of hell and he takes and he rules on this earth and he rules with a rod of iron, the Bible says, uh, for a thousand years he'll rule with a rod of iron. There'll be complete peace. Why? Because the lamb will lay down with the lion. It'll be a time of Christ ruling in absolute authority. And listen, mankind is threatened by the reality of the authority of Jesus Christ. And so he is the king and he is the Lord of Lords. 
and every person in a position of leadership and authority has to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. It would be well if this book would once again be the foundation and the standard by which every law in America is made. Amen. You say, boy, you're getting radical. No, I'm just getting fed up with this corrupt world and I'm just getting fed up with this thing that we just think we can hide out as Christians. We need a revival in our land. We need a revival of Christians being Christians and not being embarrassed about being a Christian. So the questioning, are you the Christ? The questioning, are you the king of the Jews? Then there's the questioning, if thou be the son of God. Matthew chapter 27 in verse 40. It's interesting how these questions keep moving a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger as you go through Matthew chapter 27 and verse 40. And saying, Thou that destroyeth his temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. And here it is, the accusation. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. What are they doing? They're questioning the reality of Christ being God in the flesh because they cannot force Christ to do what they desire for him to do. They're saying, well, if you're really the son of God, won't you come down off of the cross? I've had over the years people say, well, if God's real and God is a God who loves, then why doesn't God do this? Whatever it may be, A, B, or C, or D. Uh, wait a minute, he doesn't have to prove nothing to you. The Bible doesn't try to defend and prove that God is God. It states it. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. Everything else rests on that statement. God doesn't have to prove who he is. Man must believe that he is. Uh, we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know that without faith, it is impossible to please him. We know that it's through faith that we believe that he is. God doesn't prove himself to us. And here he is, they're questioning Jesus. They're wanting him to prove that he's the son of God. And so the question, art thou the Christ, is by the priest. The question, art thou king of the Jews, is by Pilate, a king. And the questioning in reference to him being the son of God is asked by the people. And how people will question uh, who Christ is. You don't get saved by trying to build evidences to the reality that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you get saved by submitting yourself to the authority of Christ through faith. And the grace of God and the mercy of God delivers our soul. And so here's the problem. If Jesus is the Son of God, then their, the people, their piety or their religion is void and of no effect. You know, it's always amazing. You go out soul winning, you knock on the door, and you try to lead somebody to the Lord. You ask them, well, if you, let me ask you something. Uh, you know, we're out here visiting. We'd like to invite you out to church. Oh, I'm a Catholic. Well, let me ask you something. If you were to die today, do you know 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Oh, nobody can know that. Well, you know, you need to believe on Christ if you believe on Christ. Well, I have my religion. Everything's about religion. Everything's religion. Hey, what you're doing when you say that, you're saying that you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because Jesus is the one who said, I and my father are one. And literally in the Greek, it means one in the same. In other words, there's absolutely nothing different between the father in heaven 
and the Son when he was on this earth. And so people must come to faith in Christ as the living Son of God. As he was hanging on the cross, they questioned him. Well, you say you're the Son of God, won't you just come down off the cross? Why don't you save us? You say you saved others, why don't you save yourself? You said to the paraplegic, uh, thy sins are forgiven thee. Well, you say you saved him, delivered him, why can't you deliver yourself? And so the piety of religion is of no value and has no effect because of the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So there's questioning. And this amazing thing is this. That every one of these questions are in reference to a public testimony and teaching that Jesus gave in reference to himself. And so there was nothing that was hid. It's not in secret. The questioning. I see there's the witnessing that takes place in this. And I want to preach on this because of the songs that we're singing. Today we're singing, both services were singing about the cross. And uh, the witnessing that takes place in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 54. It says, And when the centurion and they that were with him, this is Jesus hanging on the cross, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. They questioned, are you the Son of God? And then all of a sudden, the witness of the ground, the earthquake that takes place, shakes up the people, and their conclusion is, truly, this is the Son of God. He is the one who has control over all that is created. He is the one who spoke the word, uh, that light should come into existence, and it came into existence. All life was created by Christ. Colossians tells us that he is the one who sustains all life. Everything that is in this world is going to continue to exist until Jesus Christ says it's over. And so he is the creator of everything, and the ground witnesses the, that fact. Jesus Christ, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who created the trees is the one who is hanging on the tree that he created. Jesus Christ, the one who formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul, is now spilling his blood on the very creation that he created so that man might be redeemed by the blood that would be shed. And we have the witness of the ground. You know, when the Jesus was coming into the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the crowds were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And as they were crying out, Hosanna, the Pharisees came and rebuked Jesus and said, tell your disciples, tell these people not to say that. You realize what they're saying? And Jesus said this, if they were to hold their peace, the stones would cry out. The creation of God, according to Romans chapter 8, is groaning and twisting in travail, waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the world we're living in is witnessing to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. There's a witnessing of the ground. Notice there's the witnessing of the guards. In Matthew chapter 27, in verse 65, and Pilate said unto them, ye have... Yeah, ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So as you can. 
So they went and made the sepulcher sure, securing the stone and setting a watch. Well, the amazing thing is they watched, and the next thing you know, the stone was rolled away. They watched, and Jesus Christ is alive. They were accused of not doing their job, but they could not deny the reality that Jesus arose like he said he would arise. And so there's the witness of the ground, there's the witness of the guards, and there's the witness of the group. In uh, chapter 28, in verse 17, it says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. And so here it is that there is a witness that goes forward in reference to Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. It was not hid. It was public. It was testified to. And the early church filled the city of Jerusalem with their doctrine because of the fact that Jesus Christ was alive and they were witnesses unto that fact. So we see the questioning that goes on. It wasn't hid. It was out in the open. We see the witnessing that's going on. It wasn't behind the scenes. You read 1 Corinthians 15. There's a whole host that is testified to, Paul testifies to, of who saw Jesus Christ alive after the resurrection. And then there's the commanding. The commanding. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 6 and 7, notice there's a confirmed testimony Matthew 28, verse 6 says, He is not here, he's risen, as he said. Come see this place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And so the commanding that was going forth was the angels met with those who came to the sepulcher and confirmed the fact that Jesus Christ was alive. There's somebody that needs you to confirm the reality that Jesus Christ is real and Jesus Christ is alive. What testimony do you have the reveal of the, the power of God working in your life? So it's a confirmed testimony. Notice there was a confused world when Jesus arose. In Matthew 28 and verse 11, it says, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and smote him, I'm sorry, and stole him away while he slept. And it is come to the governor's ears we will persuade him and secure you. So he took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day, discrediting the reality of the resurrection of Christ brought confusion on the crowds. And I throw this in. When we discredit or allow people to discredit the reality that Jesus Christ is God, it confuses the people. I'm finding, I'm finding what's going on in, in, in America when it comes to presenting Christ to people. They're so confused, they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know what to believe. I thought people were very skeptical years ago when, with all these different cults and Jim Jones and all this stuff. And I thought, man, people are really skeptical. But now I'm telling you one thing. Now they don't know what to believe. There is so much confusion in reference to what church is supposed to be. 
There's so much confusion on how the Christian is supposed to live his life. There's so much confusion and so much contradiction among people who claim to be Christians that the world looks at it and says, I don't even know what in the world you're trying to talk about. They look at us and say, well, wait a minute, I don't want any part of that because this group says this and group, this group says that. I had an older fellow come into the tournament on Saturday night, I mean Friday night, to pick up his granddaughter. I was talking to him, and, and he was uh, when he pulled in, he didn't know where to go, and he was like, where's the Baptist church at? He was sitting in the parking lot, and I said, there it is. <laughs> and I said, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to church, or you want to go to the volleyball game? And I said, well, we got a volleyball game go tournament going on. He said, well, I'm here to pick up my granddaughter. She's playing on a volleyball team. I said, okay, well, let's go in. I said, I'll show you where she's at. And so we parked, and I brought him in and showed him. And he said, that's her. That's my granddaughter. I said, well, hey, man, she was on the court playing, and we were talking. And I said, well, I'm glad to meet you. I said, I'm Pastor Wagon. And he stopped me, looked at me, and said, you're the pastor of this church? <laughs> I said, yeah, I am. I'm the pastor of this. And uh, this mess you see here, yep, I have to take credit for it, amen. I thought it was interesting he said that. He said, so you're a Baptist preacher. <laughs> I said, yes, sir, I'm a Baptist preacher. He said, that means that you stand against homosexual marriage and you stand against abortion and you say he's going through it. I'm thinking, where's this guy going with this? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's me. <laughs> and he said, looked at me, he said, you know, there's not very many of us left. He said, all the churches that I see, and this was an old guy. He said, everybody seems to be compromising and going with all this gross immorality that's in the, school, in the world. And I told him, I said, well, brother, I can guarantee you one thing. This church stands on the word of God. We do not allow ourselves to be swayed by the culture. And he said, well, how will lead you to that? I'm glad to hear that. Folks, the world is confused. Their confusion about Christ is because of the Christian. The only way they can know who Christ is is if the Christian tells them. And it's a high time for us to remove the confusion and present a living Savior and not hide it. So it was confirmed testimony. It's a confused uh, world. And there's a commissioned people. Matthew chapter 18, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. I tried to keep these verses kind of proceeding through Matthew. Verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That statement in itself is enough to confirm that he has absolute authority over everything. That I have all power. Greek word means all authority in heaven and in earth. Then he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We just had several preachers here the last month. And uh, we had missionaries here. We had evangelists here. We had Dr. Rasmussen here. We had Dr. Shoemaker here. All their messages were great, I thought. 
Um, but the challenge, the challenge is that we are a commissioned people. God has commissioned us to spread the good news. God has commissioned us in every realm of our life to be a witness. God has commissioned us. Jesus said, ye have not called me, but I have called you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Now, whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, it may be given in you. And so we're commissioned. We as believers are commissioned. Everywhere you go, there's people you can talk to about Christ. People in our families need to hear about Christ. I have, I have family that grew up in church and are adults and have children who are not taking their children to church. There's plenty of people to witness to and to talk to. You say, why should I do that? Because Jesus never did anything privately. He did it publicly so that people might know who he is. And when he comes to the end of his life and on earth and he's going to ascend into heaven, he leaves marching orders to the believers, the followers of Christ. And so he tells them when he's questioned that, wait a minute, I didn't do anything in secret. I did everything out in the open. And so let's not, listen, let's, let's not be uh, closet Christians. Let's be public Christians. Uh, let, let, listen, let's, let's pray over our food in the restaurants. Let's leave tracks for the waitress. Let's talk to the gas station attendant. Wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, with your families, give them tracts. Pray for them. Uh, you know, be a witness. Be a testimony uh, because of the fact that we have to have a public witness so that people might come to Christ. We've got to remove the confusion from them and show them there is a God who is real that still is in the business of saving people. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe and there's a God who can save us and make a difference in our life. Amen. We sang that little chorus that are off the service. Things are different now. And everything changed. I love that one cantata we did, uh, that song they sang in the cantata. Everything changed that night. I can never get that song out of my brain. I'll be humming that this afternoon for sure. And uh, everything changes with Christ. Amen. Everything. There's nothing the same. And that's what the world needs to see, that God, God can make a difference in their life through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer. My Father, I come to you. I thank you so much. We've heard a lot of preaching in the last month on missions and stewardship and faith, testimony. We've heard all these things, Lord. Now it's time for us to just not be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. I'm thankful that Jesus was open and public about who he was and what he came to do. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Help us, Lord, to live our life in the public light. Help us to be a continued testimony and witness of the things of God. May everything continue to change in our life as we become more and more like Jesus. I pray if there's someone here this morning who's not saved, 
God, you can do a work, miraculous work in the heart if they'll come by faith, believing. So touch them, Lord, draw them to the cross and that they might be saved. Blessing the invitation now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing just.